Hello and welcome to Countdown to Eternity with Pastor James Cadiz and our very special guest, David Tall. James and David will discuss a critical decision every nation must make and the consequences of that decision. I should add that decision is not just relegated to national leaders. It's a personal choice as well. The Bible very clearly speaks to us about what happens if we bless Israel or if we curse Israel. The choice is ours and what we do is critical. Well, hello, my dear brothers and sisters. We want to welcome you to another episode of Countdown to Eternity. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, I have got a treat for you guys. Now, for those of you that are listening to us on the radio, our radio listening audience, you might not know my friend David Tall yet. Now, David is a major in the Israeli Defense Force. Retired. He's, well, you're still, you're never really retired, are you? Yeah, well, it I mean, never really I, works I, that I, way. I doubt if I'd fit into my uniform today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever fit in a uniform as such. You were a tank commander. Yep. And um, I have to tell you, David loves the Lord. He has a lot of great insight and knowledge that he brings into the picture regarding matters of Israel. And what we're going to talk about today is extremely important. Now, I want to say this because it's critical. The premise of our conversation is founded upon a very important passage. And of course, that passage is found, well, I'm not going to even tell people where it's found. What I'm actually going to do is I'm going to have David read that passage in the Hebrew language first, and then what we're going to do is I will read it to you in, of course, English, and hopefully uh, you guys will then uh, get an idea of what we're talking about. It's going to be a great conversation. So how about we have that? Uh, David, go ahead and read that in Hebrew. Well, um, Bereshit... יודבת ויומר אדוני אל אברהם לך לך מארצך וממולדתך מבית אביך אל הארץ אשר אראך ואעשך לגוי גדול ואברך והגדלה שמך ויהיה ברכה אברך מברכך ומקלליך אער ונתברכו בך כל משפחות האדמה such a beautiful passage. I'll start where he started, and it says this. Now, the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. This is Genesis 12, 1, by the way. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And I want to say this, because I think it's important before we even start this conversation. If anybody understands the Hebrew language or has any relative acclamation to it, perhaps one of the most beautifully put and well-versed passages in the Bible regarding the future of Israel is founded in what David had just read. And there are certain aspects and certain words that have come together in those phrases that are so extraordinarily powerful that they are very difficult to bring into an English context. And there's a reason for that. There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, we're not going to get into the theological discussion. But David, I would like you to initially expound upon this for just a second, and then we'll talk about all of the implications of that passage because it is very important. One of the things that I find fascinating is how many times the word bracha, avarechecha, becha itbarchu, and a bracha means to bless. And it, it is mentioned, okay, I will make you a great people, and I will bless you, and I will bless others in you, 
and those who bless you will be blessed. I mean, look at the blessing coming again and again. Uh, so, so again, I've been a tour guide. I'm, among other things, a tank commander. By the way, let me make it clear. I commanded a company of tanks. That's 11 tanks. Uh, but uh, I was also a tour guide for many years, and I've been talking. I've actually used this passage many, many times. When I start off the basic history of Israel, I say God made a, a commandment or a connection between himself, I am God, Abraham and his descendants. That's why we were, you know, chosen by God. And he promised us a land, meaning he, he says there's people, land, and me. And that combination will bless not only you, but will bless the rest of the world. Through you, all the nations will be blessed. But here's something that we keep on forgetting, and that's what we were talking about. Because there's an other side to the bracha, and that is the klala. Klala means to curse. And he basically says, those who curse you, will be not only not blessed, but will actually be cursed. And I think that's relative and relative to what we're seeing today. And and David, I know that this is difficult to explain to people that don't understand the Hebrew language or have no formal training or acclimation to it. We run into this same issue in the Arabic language, so it's very easy to discern when you're hearing it in Hebrew. And that is there is almost, with just like with the blessing, there's an active passing that goes through there's also very much an active cursing. And it's, it's interesting because this is a nuance that isn't oftentimes understood or discerned um, when it comes to God actually saying that if uh, Israel is in essence cursed, then those who curse Israel, not only will they be cursed, but they themselves will also bring a curse to those who they touch and those who, uh, who surround them and are, are, are encapsulate them. And this is a difficult principle to kind of communicate because the the English translators don't do it a lot of justice when they bring it in. James, I think there's even more than a translation going in here. Of course. We're in a Western culture, and we kind of tend to zero in on the positive, okay? Everything's positive, and we want everything to be, you know. We, we like the blessing part. We like, the, you know, the connection to the blessing. Uh, we like the positive aspects, but if you are in any way connected to the Bible, you know that together with the positive, there's also a negative. And we are living in a culture where we tend to forget that, okay, we want everybody to win, but, you know, there is a negative aspect to, to this. There's, if there is a right, there is a wrong. And in this culture that we're living, everything is right and everything is wrong relativity. And here's something that we're not really kind of focusing in. And what happened to Israel on, on the 7th of October is... We got kicked in, in, in the gut with the fact that there is evil, there is bad, there are those who curse us. And, and I just now saw a poll that came out from one of the, uh, the international human rights, whatever, that something like 78% of the Arabs in the world, the Muslims in the world, curse Israel. <laughs> now... You know, in poll terms, that means we support Hamas, we do not support Israel, we don't believe Israel should exist, and this and this. But basically, the Arab world has been cursing Israel for three, four generations, even more than that. And when I'm kind of, when, when I hear that, I re, I'm reminded that God made a commitment to God's people, but he also made a commitment to the rest of the world. If you bless Israel, you will be blessed. But there is an counterbalance to that if you curse israel you will be cursed and, and it doesn't take a genius to look at the arab world today and to see the 
results of cursing Israel. Okay, can I ask you a question? Because the answer to us is obvious. The answer to a lot of people might not be obvious. We, we talk about how much the Arab world is cursed and on a lot of levels. And by the way, you are 100% right. You go to an overwhelming amount of Arab countries, especially the Arab countries that hate Israel, mm-hmm. and you see nothing but curse wherever you go. You know, their households are in a, a disarray. You know, infrastructures are gone. So there's all kinds of problems uh, it, it, everywhere you go. I mean, we're discerning them everywhere. But here's the thing that many people have a lot of difficulty with. And we're talking about people who are critical thinkers, mm-hmm. people who are really, really concerned about the things that are happening and really do want to be positive contributors. Okay. We say that countries that curse Israel or Arab countries in general are for the most part cursed. But then you have to ask questions like this. What about Dubai? What about Saudi Arabia? What about some of these other countries that are so wealthy that, you know, many of them are in the G20 or at least in, in going into that direction? Yeah, well, look, we heard Mohammed bin Shalamin even recently say his goal is a G7. He's gunning for that, and he's very much well on his way. What makes Saudi Arabia different? And they're about as Arab as Arab gets, right? And the UAE, those areas, what makes them different than the many other nations that we're talking about here? Well, let, let's start off with the basic. I mean, look at the Arab world as is. I mean, again, there's there's all kinds of different ways that you can actually measure this. Um, you know, we like to use the Nobel Prizes. Look how many Nobel Prizes Jews and Israelis have, and look how many Nobel Prizes the rest of the world, the whole Arab world has all together. Right. It's not even close. So, so you get the blessing part. But uh, look at the GDP. I mean, if you take the oil out of the economies of, of the Gulf states, of all of them, they have nothing to show. The Arab world has nothing to show. No, yeah, but I'm going no to push back. I'm going to push back a little okay. bit because you're, I, I understand what you say when you say the Arab world has nothing to show. That may be true except for Saudi Arabia and the UAE, the, yeah, the UAE all of those areas that are Qatar, in the Gulf. Right. Qatar. Qatar, the Qatar Gulf. Uh, well, Qatar the Gulf is a states. different, that's a whole other story. Well, in, are in, they in, blessed in or cursed? We can, we can kind of yeah, go there. Uh, we, can, we can make a reasonable argument that there is definitely a curse looming in Qatar. Qatar. I put Qatar in the same category that I put the United States of America in, in many ways. There's, a, uh, there's an overwhelming amount of money that sits in that economy, mm-hmm. but that money is at a very stale halt. Because it's it's being, um, let's just say, possessed, right, by some very evil people okay. who represent a ruling class that are not really looking at a gen- – well, let me just say this. There's a very serious exception conversation we have to have with Qatar, right? Qatar mm. is, a, is, a, is, a, is a whole different ball of wax geopolitically to talk about. But like Saudi Arabia um, and the UAE, Dubai – they're very wealthy. Their GDP is remarkably healthy. Their standing in OPEC is very strong. Technology can is lacking a little bit, right? Uh, you know, look. Well, uh, no, not only technology. Think about how people live. Okay, yeah. are the people who live in Saudi Arabia? And again, you can take off the um, the top level of the how do you say the the sheikhs, the families, you know, the the inner circle. But do most of the people in Saudi Arabia live good lives? So I'm asking. Uh, me, me and you know the answer here. I'm pushing back okay. because I really want to deal with this argument because I think it's an important argument to deal with. Okay, so so if you're the son of uh, uh, an oil tycoon in Saudi Arabia, you're living a good life. But I'm going to even argue that even okay, let, let's put it this way. I mean, and we're, we're we're talking on this level. Um, not everybody that has money is blessed. I'm not sure I would see 
monetary wealth as a blessing. In many cases, it is not. So okay, this is interesting. Yeah. So who, how, how are we going to kind of measure what's been blessed? I think Israel was fourth on the level of places that people like to live, meaning are you happy living where you live? Okay, I think the, the that number, number may be that number may be higher now. I mean, when I say higher, meaning it may be third. It may be now okay, third or, or second. something like that. So, yeah. So, so most of the Israelis living in Israel, with all the complexities, and you're hearing what this, okay, are living a good life. They are feeling that they're being blessed for being there. What would I say about the people living in Saudi Arabia? What would I say about the people living in the UAE? And I'm going to say this: you know that most of the people, you know, there, there's the, how do you say, the citizens of the UAE, but vast majority of people living there are not being blessed. They're actually modern-day slaves living in these kind of environments, uh, many of them from Asian countries or many of them from, from other countries. So, so what I'm going to say is it's a modern-day Roman Empire where you huh. have a small group of citizens that are actually very, very wealthy and very, very, uh, how do you say, blessed, if you want to call it that way, and, and the vast majority of the people living underneath them are very, very not blessed. But again... And what I'm trying to kind of zoom in here is we keep on talking about the blessing. We forget about the cursing. Yep. And, and I think to a certain extent, and, and again, looking at this from where we are, I'm looking at a result of a whole culture that generation after generation has decided to curse Israel. Hmm. And, and that's a problem. And, and I was talking to somebody at, at home the other day, and we're talking about... Uh, I miss hummus. I mean, I don't know if you know, but we take our hummus very, very seriously. Oh, my goodness. The, I, you miss hummus. I, I miss it, too. Uh, Are you kidding me? Okay, I got, we'll get, if anybody's got a good hummus recipe, Salat I mean. Tahina, well, yeah, you know, know my aunt, place. my Aunt ML. She okay. is she is hands down. When you will where? never have better hummus. You won't have better hummus in, in Israel. Give me give me hummus, tahina, olive oil, and pineapple. When I, I mean, go, I mean, listen, when I go and see her on Christmas, I promise you I'm going to have some to take home. Hers is the best. But how did I get to this? The best hummus in Israel, and again, I've got a good friend who's a hummusologist, and we can argue. <laughs> some will say, some will say in, in uh, Akko, some would say in Jaffa. The best hummus in Israel, in my mind, is in, in Abu Gosh. Oh, that's Abu interesting. Gosh. Abu Gosh is, on, is a little village, a little Arab we Muslim ate there. village. We ate there. there you go. It's best, very on the good. way to Jerusalem. And here's the thing, though. I don't know if you know, but in the Jerusalem corridor on the road to Jerusalem, there were five Arab villages in 1948 who were used as bases to attack the convoys that were heading up to Jerusalem from the, from the coastal plain. If you go up to Jerusalem today, you see some of those trucks lining the side, and if you want to get your hands on a movie called Exodus, it talks about the story of those convoys going up to Jerusalem. You can see a lot of that. Okay, so uh, the thing is this. Of those five Arab villages, there's only one left. That's Abu Ghosh. Yeah, and that, tell and them it, the story of this village. This village is amazing. It. So, So at some point, we were... Israel in the War of Independence, 1948, this is, you know, the great Nakba. I don't know if you understand, but the, 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 the War of Independence was fought for our independence, or I'm going to call it the War of Survival, because if Israel had not won that war, we would have been annihilated. I mean, it would have been another holocaust. But here's the thing. The war was fought in the beginning, not against the Arab nations that came from outside, but it was like a civil war. The Arab villages against the Jewish neighborhoods. And we were driving up the open road to Jerusalem, and they would actually, the Arab villagers, villagers would attack. They would kind of see the trucks coming up, and, and the trucks in many cases would go through the villages because roads went through towns and villages back then, and they would attack the villages. And for a long time, we went defensive, very similar to what happened now. 
uh, in the beginning, we, we drove in convoys, and then we put armor plating on the trucks, and then in order for the, uh, not to be, you know, destroyed, and then we would put a truck with a tractor. We did not go on the offensive. We tried to defend. We tried to put on a layer of protection and another layer of protection in order to, to reach. But at some point, Israel realized that we're not going to keep the road open if we just put more layers of protection. And David Ben-Gurion, together with the Haganah, decided that we have to go on the offensive, and we went in and we captured the villages on that road up to Jerusalem. And uh, again, we, we knew the people. We were living close to close. There was a kibbutz, there was a village, there was a kibbutz, there was a village. So you don't attack without talking to them. The only village that decided not to fight against Israel in 1948 was Abu Ghosh. And that's why today, out of the five villages, oh. Abu Ghosh is the only village that is left there. They have the highest percentage of millionaires, okay, outside the Gulf states. Arab millionaires. Arab outside, millionaires. Outside of the Gulf Here's states. Something living amazing people, lives. The village people, is beautiful. A lot of people don't realize they have the highest percentage of university degrees per capita meaning Arab Muslims have university degrees than any other Arabs anywhere in the world. So again, if you bless Israel, you will be blessed. They are blessed in every way, shape, and form. On the other hand, the villages that are not there are the ones that cursed Israel. And I think to a certain extent that there's a good illustration of what's going on. We will put on armor. We will try to get through. We will try to hold on as much as possible. But at some point, we will go on the offensive. And I think we're hearing some of that happening right now in Gaza. You know, it's funny, uh, and I think that there's uh, something to be said here. And because it's a radio show, we're running out of time. But our next episode of Countdown of Eternity, David's going to be with us. So it's going to be another interesting conversation. But um, a little personal story, and David, you kind of know this already, but when the Lord had placed it upon my heart and my wife's heart to adopt children, Mm. one of the things that happened with the decision that we made to do that was we were in no position financially to adopt children. Adoption is expensive. The the rigors of all of that and the difficulties and on a pastor's salary and all the things that were going on, it was just a very, very difficult process. And the Lord made it very clear to me. It was like I was talking to him right in front, like literally, I mean, it was in the moment I, I was hearing from the Lord. He said, James, I'm not asking you to consider the financial. I'm asking you to obey me. I am going to bless you. Don't worry about it. So the Lord opened up the door. And as you know, we have three children that we've adopted. I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and my one-year-old son. And um, the stories are amazing about how the Lord did that. But when we, uh, when my uh, oldest and youngest daughter came into our lives, they came to us as siblings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my youngest at the time was 19 days old. And wow. my oldest was uh, just under three years old. Well, and uh, it was uh, it was quite a challenge. There, there were, hmm. you know, financial challenges. There were all kinds of challenges. I mean, you, you drop two kids in your life and uh, especially active, smart, brilliant kids. It, it really is life changing. So um, I look back on that time now and I recognized that the immense financial blessing that me and my wife had was directly tied to the moment that we pursued adopting our children 
God, and, and I can see it, God began to provide for us in ways that were absolutely miraculous. And we're now, you know, the best place we've ever been as a married couple, you know, financially stable and so on and so forth. But that has been because of the immense grace of God in saying, I'm asking you to do this, and then I will guide you. And I think that this principle of blessing Israel is exactly the same way. I think the reason why in the world in which we live, there's such a, a, a massive increase in anti-Semitism, which will be a conversation we have for our next show. With this massive increase in anti-Semitism, it's a lot harder to bless Israel because of the pressures that people are facing from the outside. But if you think about it, this is one aspect of why there's an increase in anti-Semitism. The devil is doing everything yeah. he can to encourage it because if people will curse Israel, they themselves will be cursed, and that's exactly the condition that the devil wants. He wants to destroy lives, and he will do anything that he can to keep anybody from being blessed, including blessing Israel. So it's interesting. It, 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 you think about it, it's not personal for the devil, it's business. That's kind of a scary thing, but that's what we're seeing, and there is such a blessing. And I can tell you this, I can, I can say this with certainty. The Cadiz family as a whole right, has always been blessed because one of the main things, besides their love for the Lord, the heritage that was given to us by my grandfathers and their grandfathers and their grandfathers, one of the big parts of this was a love for Israel. And here's something that I, you know, just kind of clicked on, and, and I think this is kind of fascinating. Um, people don't know, but 20% of the population are people like Abu Ghosh that are Israeli citizens that live inside Israel. And here's the thing, after the, the uh, October 7th issue, we're not hearing them cursing Israel. No. Okay, because they live inside the blessing. I know that sounds weird to say it like that, but they are part of the blessing. Who's cursing Israel more than anybody? The ones that are living in the States, Muslims and Arabs who live on the other side of the world, okay, who have left their homelands, and they believe now this is their chance to curse Israel from afar. And they have no skin in the game. They have no relative uh, kind of connection. And, and they are cursing Israel much, much worse than I've ever heard before. Oh, you yeah. cannot walk before. So what's interesting is those who are living in Israel who are being part of the blessing, they're not cursing Israel. The Arab Muslims living in Israel are not cursing Israel. Where are we hearing the worst, worst accusations and worse anti-Semitism are in the Arabs that have moved to the Western countries to get away from and to, to upgrade. And I think that's fascinating that the Arabs that are living in Israel are not cursing Israel. The Arabs that are living in other countries are the ones cursing Israel more than anything. And I think that the countries that are, are how to say, harboring and, and allowing this to grow in their environment, in their societies, are going to have to take in consideration that there's a curse that's going to come with that. Well, and and we see it already. And I think the purpose of this conversation is just to challenge our listeners. Uh, so many of our listeners already understand this principle, but look for ways to bless Israel. Um, look, this goes back to learning to bless God. And, and I want I want people to understand this. Uh, look, my mom and my dad were both born and raised in Egypt, so this is not <laughs> me making a request or asking for you to ignore or to hate Arabs. Uh, as a matter of fact, the reality of it is, if you love the Palestinian population, if you love the people in Gaza, if you love the people in Judea and Samaria, then you are going to encourage them to support the existence of the Jewish state because that is their only chance for help. That's their only chance for, uh, for any 
better life outside of walking with Christ. And, and I think that this is kind of an important thing. With that, we love you guys. We are so grateful. By the way, thank you so much for your prayers for Monkey. We can use those prayers. Uh, we, I know that he is recovering and doing uh, well as he is looking to do that. And thank you for your prayers for Israel. Um, it, it is so important. We, it. we pray for two things every night, me and my children. We pray for not only God to bless Israel and protect Israel, we also pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We teach our children that Jerusalem is the heart of it all. Um, and it's so incredibly important. So we love you guys. God bless you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us today for Countdown to Eternity with Pastor James Cadiz and David Tall. Replay this program when you visit CountdownToEternity.com. That's Countdown, the number two, Eternity.com. Watch the video version on our YouTube channel at James Cadiz. And you can find David Tall on Instagram at The Balagon Connection. That's spelled B-A-L. A-G-A-N. These are exciting times to be living in. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. And we want to keep you informed, not only on this program, but through social media as well. Follow James Cadiz and Countdown to Eternity on Instagram. And look for our channel on YouTube and Rumble at James Cadiz. I also want to make mention of jamescadiz.com. Get the very latest content from us at jamescadiz.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to the program, we'd like to hear back from you and receive your thoughts, questions, and prayer requests. Email us through the website at countdowntoeternity.com. Countdown, the number two, eternity.com. And we'd also appreciate your support as this year draws to a close. It helps us do what we do each week here at Countdown to Eternity. So thank you for standing with us. Just visit countdowntoeternity.com. And let's be looking for opportunities to bless Israel. God will bless you as you do. This program is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. We'll see you next time when the countdown to eternity continues.